0: everyone, it's Amber Love, your host of the Vodka O'Clock podcast from AmberUnmasked.com. You can sponsor the show, my site, and writing, go to patreon.com slash amberunmasked. Now this episode's a little bit different, a lot different really. We recorded it live and in person <laughs> at the Factory Fuel Cafe in Flemington, New Jersey. So there's a ton of background noise that you're not used to hearing from the show. And uh, we, we did this just um, on the fly. But it's me talking with my friend Dennis Tafoya, a fellow writer. So we talked about COVID and we talked about prison reform and mostly all kinds of differences in crime writing and where we are today from true crime writing and historical fiction um, to current novels and the, the market of crime fiction. So I hope you enjoy and, again, just uh, be prepared for background noise. Hey, and welcome. This is a very rare, um, I don't even remember if this had ever been done before, an on-the-spot episode of Vodka O'Clock that's not at a convention. Um, we can we can sort of be, because apparently New York Comic Con is going on right now.
1: Oh, really? I didn't know. Yeah,
0: know. or this weekend. So, Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so so we're here in New Jersey not at the show. Right. <laughs> so the cool people. Are. Yeah, so we're here. I'm with yes, the cool people Dennis Tafoya and myself. We're hanging out in New Jersey. And we just did our own little writing session. Um, so what are you working on? Are you allowed to talk about anything?
1: Uh, yeah, so I'm um, I'm in very early stages on the next thing, I'm uh, trying to get a code 50 pages done, so I can uh, share that with my editor um, and uh, and go on. It, you know, hopefully, she'll like the idea and the setup and the tone, and you know, I'll be able to you know spend the next nine months working on that. Um, it's uh, it's a story about a woman who uh, gets out of prison and uh, her daughter is kidnapped. And um, I, I really, um, I've always been drawn to stories of people getting out of prison and women getting out of prison is still a pretty rare, it is. you know, a, a rare experience to, um, you know, to read about. Um, and, uh, and it's at a time when there's been a lot going on here in New Jersey with women's prisons. and. Uh,
0: yeah, there's a, there's a big, huge reform going on.
1: Here,
0: well, first of all, we only have I think one women's prison. Right,
1: yeah, at the state level, there's only Edna Man uh, up in Clinton, and uh, and they just gave the order to close that. I don't think they've actually closed the facility yet, but they uh, the governor has ordered it closed um, because of both um, sexual abuse and just um, violent um, assaults on prisoners. You know, in sort of the regular course of um, uh, you know, life in the prison. Um, they have what they call these extraction teams, extraction teams and escort teams. And, um, the extraction techniques are just extraordinarily violent. And, uh, uh, you know, so there've been some pretty terrible consequences for the women involved and, and I'm kind of amazed really because uh, there were consequences when,
0: right. Usually we just, Get lip service, yeah, right?
1: Exactly, and
0: and hear, oh, we need change, we need reform, right. and uh, people get elected, and then nothing happens.
1: Right, exactly. So
0: it's it was a shock to see that headline.
1: Yeah, I'm, I read that there's a uh, there's a sort of a uh, mediation process that has to go on for most of these things for many prisons, where um, I think because of a. Federal law, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, that keeps these things from ever reaching courtrooms. Yeah. So it, that's why it's especially especially wild that um, it got so much attention from you know from the uh, AG in Jersey and uh, and they actually handed out indictments. So it'll be kind of fascinating to watch that all unspool. Terrible for the people involved, but good news that people notice and theoretically there's something happening.
0: And. Um, we're still in a COVID era, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. and uh, happily vaccinated and, and what, but still, you know, put on a mask if I need it. So, I, I saw that people were saying about how nobody was paying attention to prisoners.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. COVID rates are really high. And was that was just, one of the things I was watching, actually, like, video. of this Horrible extraction team stuff going on, and Everyone's acutely aware of that. The, yeah. the, uh, <laughs> you know, the the, the staff is u- usually masked up, and you know, but the prisoners really are. And COVID is just racing through prisons all across the country. It has been really since the beginning of the pandemic. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, when you
0: think about other things like uh, that are common in in prisons, like um, other viruses, hepatitis, or or, or right. HIV and stuff. That's. Um, they're done with intimacy yeah. and uh, you know the the tattoo things but, that sure. go on um, so there's, there's this physical contact involved but COVID is just not the same animal and it's
1: just proximity it's just proximity and considering you know, watching this, this video I watched it last night just being, just really yeah. burrowed into my psyche and half the people are coughing they're hacking away oh, you know they're sick you know and it's yeah. It's just one of those things. Obviously, when you're talking about any sort of crisis of any kind, <laughs> prisons are always going to be the last folks to get any aid or to get any you know uh, any relief from any of this stuff because uh, that uh, you know that that sense that it's it's punitive. I mean that extends to a lot about healthcare in prison. Um, one of the things that um, you know in reading uh, about the experiences of women in prison. Is that women are frequently given hysterectomies, um, just because. W- you know, exactly without you know really being medical justification for it, um, and um, and not treated for chronic conditions. I'm sure that goes on in men's persons too. I've just been reading about women's persons but um, you know, you know, women who have uh, asthma or, or diabetic or whatever. There's just almost nothing that. Um, uh, that they, that you can actually get decent continuing care for. So everything gets much worse. People get much sicker before anything happens for them. So, anyway, you know, it's yeah. hopefully, uh, you know, some of that stuff will get addressed. But. Yeah.
0: I mean, I had heard of that happening with um, indigenous women. I don't know if it was any type of. Uh, You know, penitentiary involved, or if it was just uh, a sort of sneaky, you know, situation where they would just sterilize.
1: Oh yeah, uh, sure. There have been a number of populations over time, right? You know, uh,
0: and they didn't have any consent. They didn't have any. You know, it was just like, oh, you need this done or something, and it was like, what? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Sorry. I mean, people done without even knowledge that 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 procedure was taking place. Yeah, that's that's Mm -hmm. the kind of um, stuff that's really starting to come to life. You you know, if you follow the story about indigenous schools in Canada, yeah, Yeah. that kind of thing. It's um, it's a slow process. It seems like people have a lot of fatigue, really easily, about hearing about those kinds of excesses and you know, critical race theory. But, you know, we're really just at the tip of the iceberg on a lot of this stuff, and it has not entered the public consciousness, not really. Not really,
0: yeah. And um, uh, that's one thing that I have have actually seen some of the the woke white friends of mine, as I sit here as a middle-aged white woman, um, that at least they do bring up when the situation of, understanding certain populations being afraid of the vaccines, right, right. whereas the rest of us are like running out to go get it as quickly right. as possible. Um, now, when it's a bunch of white people that just think, "Oh my God, the government's poisoning me," or some <laughs> bullshit, um, you can
1: understand skepticism in some populations. In some populations, but right. not in others. Yeah. Yeah. Not in
0: your place of privilege, yeah. where you know you send your kid off to a private school and right? You know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I've known a couple of people just in my small circle of you know, you know, mostly through work, where I run into more conservative folks. You know than yeah. I do in my, my own social worker, um, who refused the vaccine and got COVID. Like, it's just incredible mm-hmm. to me. And only after they were at death's door <laughs> did they get their families vaccinated. And it's just, why, why does it take that experience? Are you? Yeah. I don't. It takes the. understand how suffering. you're taking information in yeah. if you know if you're that convinced that you can ignore these things. Or that it's a hoax, or that it's a scam, or a manipulation, or they're going to inject us with fluoride or whatever the hell it is. You believe? (laughs) Um, I I just, I'm just thrown by that. Um, So, and and most of the people I know, I know personally, well, we got vaccinated the second we could. Yeah. You know, and none of us got sick. Yeah. So.
0: And that's like I know somebody who because he had to keep working through everything, and, and he was one of my dad's best friends and he got like like you said near death's door and it wasn't any kind of refusal on his part it was just you know he had an elderly mom at home and he's still working and
1: and it was just one
0: of those things where you know and children are petri dishes so you know the second kids got back in school uh, the, by day two, yeah. I, I heard teachers
1: sure, of course. St- talking about them sick. being
0: being all sick yeah. and having to close down. A, you know, the, to do the deep cleaning for a week, and then they go right back in.
1: Sure, of course. in you know I, I work in the industrial sector, and before we could get well, before I could get vaccinated, there are people who are completely ignoring it. They want you to come in and. Know, look at machines and work on machines in their in their plants. The <laughs> plant is full of um, of undocumented workers who probably don't have any access to health care and in any event, would work sick because they have because to. Because
0: they have to. Because they have
1: to. And and
0: they're not going to go to a doctor.
1: They're not going to go to a doctor. They're going to do anything that they can, you know, that yeah. is going to cost them, you know, money and. You know, of course, nobody's unionized anymore. So you know, mm-hmm. no living wage for folks. And so I'm not going to do that. I would. I hate that it's happening to them. I'm not going to add my name to that list. You know.
0: Yeah, I hear you. And it's it's interesting because you know, besides writing, my other industry is, is yoga. And before that, I was in the IT side of healthcare. Um, so in yoga, you have. It, You have the complete polar opposites who are agreeing. So you have the ultra-conservative people who are saying, you know, uh, it's my freedom. And it's like, oh, how convenient now. (laughs) Um, And then you have the super hippy-dippy liberals that are saying, like, you know, they don't want to poison their body with any substances except built, you know, yeah. cover themselves in rosemary oil because it's an antiseptic man. <laughs> and <laughs> it's yeah. like, so you guys could not be further apart and you agree on this. That is a
1: really fascinating it's thing. Weird. I've uh, the town I live in uh, is, um, you know, famously very uh, liberal and yes. democratic. And you have to listen to people talk for a while. When you talk to people who are in their 60s, who go back, to, their hatred of the government goes back to when they were kids and it was about Vietnam and drugs and you know, and civil rights and, and Watergate and they hate the government. And the people who are just old and conservative, you know, they're just old and conservative, so I feel like yeah. listen to people rant for a while before you can figure out where they're coming from. And if they're coming from the left or they coming from the right to come out at this equally stupid position that they're taking yes. on whatever it is. Um, this, you know, skepticism, obviously important in a lot of realms. Of course. You know, but it, it, it has to be applied as judiciously as anything else, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, with enough evidence-based stuff. So yeah, it is, it is always fascinating when people kind of go round the bend to the left, yes. and round the bend to the right, and that's and, add, 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 and end up in and
0: the then same they place. end up in the same place, yeah. and it's it, and it's so funny because we're both on the western coast side, uh, you know, of the Delaware River side of Jersey and i'm in a red area and you're in a blue area (laughs) and it's i mean yeah the big blue freaking flags which is funny it's like why are your flags blue idiots um you know all your hats are red
1: (laughs) and they're constantly getting in trouble for playing old rock and roll tunes that um yeah that make make no sense that the artist We'll, we'll sue them to yeah. stop their use it's and everything like, like
0: that? Yeah, it's like yeah. this is this was a war protest song, I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> right, right, and like, you're yeah or whatever.
1: Uh, um,
0: right. Yeah, they they've made some oddball choices, that's for damn sure. Uh, so, uh, so at least during quarantine, mm. um, I must say I've gotten uh, because I, all of the studios and gyms yeah. were closed. Right. Um, <laughs> my free time was not spent writing as it should have been, but it was spent reading. So uh, at least I-, I felt comforted. Right. You know, because I am very cut out for that hermit life. Everybody's <laughs> I'm, I'm like, oh, how are you doing? Because my mental health is usually, like, totally out there. And it's like, no, you don't understand. My mental health breaks when I have to go into some place like, a job every day. Right. So, um, yeah. So for me, I was I was comforted, and I watched a lot of TV and read right. books. Um, so what have you gotten to do? Did you get? Did you have time off, or did you have a work from home situation? work
1: from home situation for most of the time. Okay. So, um You know, yeah, and it's funny because I did find a kind of scatterbrain of the pandemic did affect even even like uh, reading and watching television and you know it's just great to have that sort of episodic stuff because my attention mm-hmm. span eroded somehow.
0: Oh yeah um, I think I've seen Bob's Burgers come <laughs> all of the seasons a billion times. Right. I mean I just put it on for comfort.
1: Right yeah um, luckily I, we're, we're living in a golden age of true crime television yeah. and, and movies man. There's yeah. So much, so much great uh, content. There have been so many amazing shows over the last you know couple of years but um, but yeah no I, I'm I do, obviously, have done a lot of reading. Um, I was a a, um, a judge for the Edgars in True Crime last year. So, um, you know, that was kind of a great pandemic project to have. Yeah. You know, just just reading through a ton of really good books. I mean, you know, there's just so much great stuff. Uh, And and
0: because I can't uh, calculate years anymore because we've basically lost 18 months, um, so was that a year that the Michelle McNamara book was out? Uh, no, that was, that was the year before. The year before. Yeah, oh, Michelle's perfect.
1: book had come out the year before. Because um, uh, that was
0: obviously like the big, you know, talk of the, right, that year. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, now it's really like there's such a bounty of stuff at the top like, in that year. You, I wish I had the list in front of me of, um, of, the, of the books that we nominated right now, but um, um, because I'm 62 and I can't remember anything anymore <laughs> um, uh, without some kind of guy. But, um, uh, yeah, but it, 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 it's all I, I like it's pretty much always a great year now for, for true crime.
0: Yeah, I, the, mean, I mean, the podcasts, the shows.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, lo- yeah, lots of i rabbit hole through stuff. Yeah,
0: I I know all of the commercials and probably all of the pharmaceutical sponsors of the uh, investigation discovery channel. <laughs> because they show right. like 6 to s- or 7 right. commercials each break and it's the same ones. So <laughs> I'm like I can right. tell you every drug that sponsored this.
1: I always love the um uh, the the ads they do for you know for Squarespace or um, you know for uh, mattresses, and be sure to use the code. The code, yeah. Horrible murders. Yes. SortedMattresses <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> stranglers was what I was writing. Yeah. Be sure to put the word stranglers into your. Okay. You yeah. Know.
0: I was listening to Crime Junkie on the way down here. And they were—they had a, a furniture sponsor, right. and it was just like whatever <laughs> slash crime junkie, and, like, and I'm wearing my my murder socks. Oh. I, I don't know if my my pants are so tight. I don't know if you can see them, but I'm wearing my stay sexy, don't get murdered. Oh, there you go, uh, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs>
1: socks. <laughs> I actually um, been working, uh, trying to get a podcast off the ground. Actually, um, working with some folks um, in Philadelphia, um, a woman named Liz Spickle who is. Uh, was an, um, uh, has been an editor and a writer for, Coffee magazine and the Inquirer and stuff like that for many years, and um, uh, and we basically pitched a um, podcast to a, a company in in Philly that I think is now just trying to get funding to mm-hmm. actually kind of make it go. Um, but uh, that concerns the murder of Susan Reiner in 1979 and the disappearance of her children, Ew. which is a, a case that. Some folks my age remember, you know, not all the folks do. Certainly, younger people tend not to know about it at all. But um, it's a it's a really fascinating rabbit holey kind of a thing um, because you know while the <laughs> most probable, you know, murderers were were caught and punished, one of them was exonerated, though he was probably still guilty, and um, uh, and the other never had to allocate he was sentenced to death so he never had to um, uh, to explain anything that happened they didn't offer a deal or anything like that which we understand why but um, so the real details of the crimes are still not known and the children's fate was never never determined um, but it's just the, the complexity of the characters involved and, uh, uh, and the situation it's, it's really strange there were a number of books written about it one of them by One of the guys convicted of murder and um and there was a television mini-series from a joseph wamba book that but um in order to get the uh information and exposure that wamba wanted for that he gave money to the investigators unfortunately apparently on the condition that Guilty verdict. He reached. Oops. Uh, yeah. So he and that was how the one one uh, uh, Jay Smith, the one of the participants, ended up being exonerated. In quotation marks, he ended up getting released from death row and um, you know died not too long afterward. Um, but it's just, I mean, that's the most incredible irony I can imagine is that. Here's a guy who's a cop's writer. He is an ex-cop. He, yeah. you know, so he's trying to help these guys, and he has very definite ideas about crime and punishment. So
0: let's throw yeah. a bribe in. Yeah.
1: And he ends up <laughs> ensuring, in fact, that the person he most wanted to see convicted, paid to have convicted, was released.
0: That sounds like so old Wild West. Yeah, it really like.
1: does. It really, really. Well, you know, it's Pennsylvania State Government too, which is corrupt going back. I think okay. Ernie Priate was the attorney general at the time and I think Ernie ended up doing time. But, um, yeah, it's just a wild, deep story and it's exactly the kind of thing that love and, and um, you know, really respond to in in podcasts, I think, because you can take the time right. and sort of investigate and, you know, really dig deep on, on a lot. And I think, too, you know, there's been a trend in true crime which I think is really, really important, which is um, really trying to Front and center, the lives of the people who were involved, and not just have them show up as victims, you right. know, but to also but to show that
0: these were real people. Real people,
1: yeah. The, the woman, and Susan Reiner, um, she was in Parents Without Partners, and she had she had divorced um, uh, her husband, uh, you know, in order to find a more fulfilling life, in kind of an open-ended way. It wasn't that he was a terrible man; he wasn't. He but he you know wasn 't sort of the adventure of life that she really wanted. She wanted to meet you know more exciting and interesting people. It didn't go well, but it doesn 't mean the urge wasn 't really important and really um, you know something you can understand that somebody people starting to take control of their destinies thousand nine hundred and seventy nine was also the year that looking for Mr. Goodbar came out the year that that susan Reiner died and and that 's a real sort of backlash, pushback on women who are trying to define their own work lives and sexual lives and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there is that sense of, and you know, the Kramer versus Kramer also came out that year, right? Which, who was the villain in that piece? Meryl Streep, who divorces Dustin Hoffman and therefore doesn't pay enough attention to her kid, according to that. You know what I mean? Right. And And the idea of her trying to live a different life, maybe a bigger life, was the most selfish thing that these folks could imagine, right? Um, and, you know, looking for Mr. Goodbar, Diane Keaton is murdered because she's, like, a sexual wanton or whatever. You know, you know that kind of stuff is, is really important when you're sort of contextualizing all this stuff, right, to understand what were the messages. And so people who really live their lives in this new way to say that my life has to... Look a little bit like you know. I, I dream it would look. Right. It's nothing anybody ever questions when a man does that. Never. It would never occur to anybody to ask that question. I don't think about uh, a man who wanted to control his own destiny and live a life that wanted a life. of Yeah, they're called risk
0: takers. Right. And they, you know, uh, and we were talking about how uh, those books, like uh, you know, influencing people and in the top five things you need to do. Um, to be successful and all that right, stuff yeah. it's like um, you know there's plenty of workshops and, and stuff for that right. and, and you are you know they're given the, given kudos and right. and told oh you're really like taking your life you know and uh, yep, into your own hands right yeah
1: yeah so it's anyway funny. so basically you know, I don't know if it's gonna come to fruition but it's, it's been Uh, you know a really interesting journey to try and sort of put it together
0: that's good and it is a a different type of sandbox for for writing as crime fiction versus true crime Um, interesting though to know when when I see the TV shows on ID you know, and you know Joe Kenda from homicide right. Hunter, you know they have those dramatizations, so you 'd know that there's some fiction playing in sure. their in their trueness, just like any reality t v um, there's yeah. there's some fiction or like one of them uh, oh, I know what it was. it was the comic I just read, which is fantastic, but it's uh and I, and I don't even know how to properly pronounce the name. But um, Ed, is it Gein or Gein or Gain? Oh, Ed,
1: Ed Gein is what me and my friends always said. It might actually be Gein. But, yeah. yeah. So yeah.
0: so however you say it. So yeah. Har- yeah, that
1: put got a lot of attention with people. I thought it was a good book.
0: Yeah. It, the comic, so the comic was amazing. Um, and Eric Powell well, used the research done by writer uh, and researcher Harold Schechter.
1: Oh, yeah. Sure
0: and... Is. So he, he equally credits him, and Powell's art is just always fantastic. But he's graphic about it, sure. and that was then that's a case of, you, <laughs> where those graphic details are really cringeworthy. Yeah, um, yeah. They were the influence of like Hannibal Lecter and sure. um, Psycho, Psycho, yeah. Psycho. And the book, the comic opens with Psycho, and I think uh, closes okay. with Psycho, yeah. which is very interesting. so but they do have this this great section in the back that talks about we had to fudge the timeline a little bit just so you know Uh, we had to you know do some things here and there just for the sake of how they wanted to tell their story because they take this tiny little wisconsin town or and um You know, and they have like, you know, the lady from the general store and the you know, and the man from this place and the you know so they the you know, the kids growing up. Like I don't know if there was any documentation about his life as a child.
1: Right. So
0: so I don't know where that you know, maybe that came from Schechter's research or something, but you know, they have you do have to sort of fake your way as to what would these two Kids be saying to this one weird kid in the schoolyard, you know, you have to sure. make that stuff up. Yeah. Uh, and,
1: yeah. And, and, yeah. I mean, that's another uh, another obviously really interesting thing about any um, true or ostensibly true story, right? right. there are already so many choices and the vagaries of memory, and I mean every every um, almost every book um, that I read that was true crime or even you know dealt with historical circumstances. Was really careful to tell you what their sources were, Um, and I forget what I was looking. I was looking, reading a book recently. I started to read a book, and and the author basically said, "I don't know what happened, so I made a lot of this up." Mm -hmm. And it's well. Thanks for the honesty, yeah. I don't, it becomes we less call that, you know? Yeah, we yeah. call that
0: historical fiction. Right,
1: like, exactly, right. Even if you're telling a true story, you're, you're, you're still yeah. fictionalizing. And all of those things and all of those choices that people make about what the important details are, or, you know, like you're saying, it yep. seems likely that this occurred, but you don't right. know that we it occurred, that. then... But then it becomes a narrative in your head, and that narrative has power. It's very difficult to not think in those terms. I was reading about that movie, 13 Hours, about Benghazi. And oh, that sorry. largely fictionalized, <laughs> like, you know, it presents itself as a true story, and it feeds a political narrative about the Obama administration and Hillary Clinton and all that stuff. Though it's kind of, you know, a little bit behind the scenes, and the cowardliness of some people, and, and uh, you know, and the... Uh, rough-and-ready, you know, muscle guys festooned in bullets who, you know, who end up doing all the fighting and dying stuff. And, uh, um, you know, that's not what (laughs) happens. And, um, you know, any story like that, obviously, is going to be, you know, you're talking about something really chaotic with a ton of different points of view. Um, It's always going to be difficult and very tough to imagine how you could even... Present all of those points of view without a really different sort of fictional structure. But it's Michael Bay. So he's yes. just, you know, he's just, he's got his own thing. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, uh, a, a guy I know is a screenwriter had worked with Michael Bay. And, you know, basically Michael Bay's only instruction was just make it cool, man. You know, <laughs> like that's, that's it for him. You yes. know what I mean? But you're dealing with Stuff that has real consequences in terms of political narrative. so it was not Argo right, exactly <laughs> right. you know, it becomes it, you know it becomes something to take into account but you know, uh, but, you know going back to gosh. Um, in cold blood right i mean yeah. the most amazing incredible book that i still remember reading for the first time when i was a teenager once again largely see, again
0: i didn't read the book i read the comic version no, really? huh. which the comic version uh by chris Thomny and andy parks um i interviewed andy about it and it you know he had to again figure out oh what would these characters be saying because uh, right. you sure. know we didn't all have computers in our pockets <laughs> right. you know like right. now like sure. I could just like whip this right. out and be like hey let's record this yeah.
1: and Capone was writing a novel and, he, and was, he, he, was writing, he, he was writing it wasn't he, yeah. called that but he was writing a novel yeah the, the, the real famous thing that uh, um, I remember uh, he was Laura Lipman was talking about that and you uh, you know brought up the example of um When Truman Capote um, is writing about Mrs. Clutter, and he he says that she brushed her hair a hundred strokes every night, and uh, I don't remember who the editor was. I'm sorry, I don't want to say Gordon Lillard, but that wasn't it. wrote in the margin, how no? (laughs) (laughs) And it's a question he couldn't have known that. He didn't know that. He just was trying to make something flow and seem like a real true sounding glimpse of right. the lives of people in right. a certain place at a certain time. And um, so it's all, you know, it's all sort of to some degree at least, you know, um, invention or, you know, or a smoothing out or something. You know, um doesn't mean the stories don't have power, don't aren't meaningful. I mean, of that's course. a book that changed. Literary it really world. Did, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, but you have to ask yourself tough questions about what, you know, what things mean when what you're reading is essentially fiction, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, and Lifetime has done their fair share of movies right. based on real people. Sure. Um,
1: right. Yeah, you imagine... What would your own life look like if
0: mm-hmm. people were
1: making those choices about what to portray and what not to portray? Oh,
0: and see now that now that we're talking about it, I have, I'm going to have to look it up because it was a rare, and I say rare because um, she's usually only known for one thing, but Farrah Fawcett starred as um, as this oh, woman and
1: Rule I mean I'm, not, I'm sorry um, Anne Rule was the book uh, it was uh, yes Small Sacrifice
0: that's it. Yeah, yeah the yeah. woman
1: Diane Downs that was what
0: she yeah did. and she ended up in Edna Mann yeah oh
1: that, that's
0: and wow that's wow I have that and that's why I it right. made me yeah. make that connection when you were sure. talking about that right um yeah. yeah. So I remember that, m- watching that movie.
1: Yeah, the TV movie. The it TV was movie. really powerful. She was amazing in it. Yeah. Um, that was the golden yeah. age of true crime telemovies, I think, mm-hmm. to, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, like the Betty Broderick story. Right, and right, and, yeah.
1: Um, um, yeah, just all kinds of, of great stories, some of which ended up with other lives as, you know, in more recent um, tellings or more recent movies and mm-hmm. TV shows and stuff. But, um, yeah, exactly that. I mean, that was you, in, especially then. You know, I, I was probably it came out in the seventies, probably or maybe early eighties. Uh, oh. So I was pretty young, relatively speaking, and um, I'm sure I would have just accepted what I was seeing as this is how it went, and this is what the case actually was, and all that stuff. Not that I think anybody's ever dug up any significant doubt about our guilt, but um, but how that played out, and you know, what yeah. reality things are.
0: Yeah, it, and it's. It's interesting when the stuff can't be made public yet because the case is ongoing. Sure, sure. So when we watch things in real time now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, like uh, Casey Anthony. Um,
1: right, right.
0: Uh, and Susan Smith, you know, we're watching them in, in real time. And you see all this evidence and you hear about all this evidence, but then what happens in the cases in that courtroom it's all about who did their job better
1: right right. and it
0: really has nothing to do with with truth It has to do with story
1: exactly right narrative absolutely who tells the most compelling story in the most compelling way that is absolutely true it's funny i was thinking about that when uh um robert durst was recently convicted for the murder of his friend susan berman that's incredibly Didn't fascinating. did he
0: confess on camera? He
1: basically did. He sort of at least engineered his own conviction, I think. Yeah, it um, was But weird. he was acquitted in the case in Texas, in Galveston, where he most probably murdered uh, his roommate and cut the guy up and threw his parts into Galveston Bay. But because some crucial evidence was missing, it was really just kind of his word against the police about what actually happened and his lawyers... Incredibly wealthy man, really good lawyer. So yeah. um, told a more compelling narrative that yes. res- the, the jury responded to, and the prosecutors, I'm imagining, they thought they had an open and shut case. The guy cut this guy up, and you know what I mean, and, and uh, you know, and threw his body in the bay. And how could a reasonable person conclude that you know that anything had happened except murder? But it turns out, if you're presented with a compelling narrative
0: and that's what right. you're asked you know as right. a jury member to exactly. to look at you can't and look at anything else right know, according to, to yeah. your duty right
1: as a, as a juror right.
0: right um and that it, it reminds me though of uh Marcia clark had a tv series right um mm-hmm. i watched that over quarantine um,
1: the, the, um, the American crime story that was, yeah. the, with the, that one, is that what you mean? Where she was portrayed by... Um... No. Oh, no, okay, was, I'm sorry, it's her own a, Her oh. own show oh, okay, gotcha.
0: of true crime right. stories where, you know, and plus when, when you're looking at stuff from 20, 30 years later, right. uh, the technology and the eyes that we can have now, first of all, some people might be dead, right. other people might feel more comfortable talking. Sure. So so it's a different world when you look at old cases, um, but because of her position as the prosecutor, yeah. famous, famous prosecutor, right. um, then yeah. it, it, you know, you, you, at least you can guess, when, when she feels some somebody's guilty, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, she's like, "But yeah. look at this evidence, you right, know, yeah. you know." And it, if you couldn't test that droplet of blood back then, now you can test it now, and, right? You know, and the we can get a mito- being... mitochondrial matriarchal match of blah blah blah, and we know, <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Actually, it's funny because thinking about the. Uh... American crime story about OJ. Yeah, I didn't you know, want was, I didn't want yeah. that, well, but that she's was very sympathetically. Was it um, was yeah. Sarah Paulson? Sarah yeah. Paulson. Sarah Paulson played yes. and did such a beautiful job in yeah. making her a sympathetic yes. character, trying to do something that seemed she had an and impossible woman. job. And she had an impossible job at the time. At the, at the time, though, she was just
0: eaten alive yeah. by the press. She really
1: was. And, uh, and so this was a, uh, an opportunity for a reconsideration of her and her life, and her obviously presented in a certain way, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, um, but I remember reading, even at the time, I think in the Jeffrey Tobin book, which has got its own problems, but uh, how, once again, she couldn't imagine that she would not be able to connect with jurors on that in a way that she had many, many times in prosecuting men who had been violent for their wives, um, But that was just a, uh, a massive canvas they were dealing with and all of the different pressures and things that came to bear in that case um, and ways of looking at things that uh, yeah. that job was just, I'm sure. You know would have required a very different approach than yeah. the ones at the end up taking yeah
0: taking I them. mean uh, th- that's the sort of case where in America there would be nobody that's unbiased and you'd right. have to like you don't just send it to a different district. you'd have to send it to like France <laughs> right. and say, what can you do here?"
1: Yeah yeah, I don't know yeah, it would have to be um, yeah someplace with a very different experience of the Los Angeles police than Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Yeah. And, uh,
0: so it's funny talking about the popularity of how this is fun. Um, now there's a new show. Um, it's amazing, called Only Murders in the Building. No, oh, yes. Uh,
1: <laughs> I watched that. And my, uh, my wife was absolutely uh, it's, thrilled by that. And it's... Okay very weirdly charming it is. and and weird it's is. It
0: is. It's weird it's got like this little bit of camp to it
1: yes right
0: the music <laughs> is so amazing that it gets you into right. this this mood right um
1: it, I, i'm fascinated it, also just by the portrayal of podcasting um, yes. like in truth be told um which is um uh, you know, it, it's a, an Apple Plus series, and um, and in that, as in some other things I've seen, they portray the podcaster as a crusading journalist. Yes, which they pretty much never are. <laughs> 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 I mean, not that podcasts are amazing. And I, I I'm a huge consumer of them, and the ones done by journalists, working journalists be- before right, they before. were podcasters. Yeah. Um, I, are the ones I sort of gravitate to because they seem authoritative you know what I mean in a different way. Um, but uh, but yeah this idea that, that um podcasters are crusading reporters or whatever I thought yes. sorry this is not my experience <laughs> at all. I mean people are thinking mostly of cereal I think the Right the, you know
0: Serial was yeah, was quite podcast, a pioneer. Right.
1: But even then there was a weird aimlessness about that whole enterprise. Yeah. Um, you know where they really just kind of um, presented themselves sort of asking questions about things, not they saw a uh, conclusion that they felt should have been reached and drove an audience in that That direction.
0: drives me nuts when any type of show or, or book or whatever really has no ending. Right. It, it's just like, this so is much, all we could find. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I think that um, uh, Zodiac, uh, the David Fincher movie, and of course the, the books, which were incredible <laughs> studies there are in, so many,
0: so many adaptations. Yeah, of.
1: yeah. Um, and it, but I think it's there, there is that sort of thing that happened probably with, what is that like six or seven maybe ten years ago now. Of um, we began to get more comfortable with the idea of presenting stuff that did not have a conclusion. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I can imagine how difficult it was to begin to present stories where you weren't coming out anywhere. You know, mm. still don't know was. There's ton we don't know about that and things that seem significant and and also sort of glimpse of what an investigation looks like when there's a million things that might be useful and might not mean anything. And all those radicals and all of that that stuff um, that is kind of the dirty work behind the scenes that you never see because by the time it reaches court it's presented as a cogent narrative or the time it's it's you read it in a book or watch it in a movie, you see the parts where the police find the clues that lead to the killer. You know what I mean? Like that stuff. You don't see the bazillion hours they spend on stuff. That doesn't yeah.
0: And when we're used to procedural shows right. that wrap things up in an hour.
1: Exactly, right. exactly it's, right.
0: It's so different. Or even if it's something that takes like a season,
1: right.
0: um, you know, it's just that
1: it's the, the, the
0: red herrings are, right. um, Usually, they're not—they're not done the same as like in the Agatha Christie time, right, you know. Right, now exactly. it's like, does this little fiber that we found <laughs> mean anything? Well, no. It was probably a guy who came in, was an exterminator or something, right. and had nothing to do with the uh, case. And.
1: There was a great—I um, listened to a, an Australian true crime podcast called Case File, which I absolutely yes, love. I, I
0: listened to that best. Yeah.
1: And they did that case where there was this. Um, woman in Europe who was committing crime after crime after <laughs> crime and she was some kind of criminal criminal mastermind They could not find her. She seemed to work with this shifting cast of uh, male accomplices and murders and robberies, the murder of a police woman, like really huge crime. Well, it turned out the woman didn't exist. The, the woman was DNA in a cotton swab at the place where the cotton swab was manufactured. So here's this very nice woman who works in a place that produces cotton yes. swabs who is viewed as responsible as this for this crime wave across Europe going over years. And I and, think I
0: must have listened to yeah, that one because there's great. something familiar about yeah. it. You know,
1: that's exactly, you know, that's the kind of thing that, you know... Technology is amazing. It's capable of amazing things, but yeah, I was right. <laughs> it's not.
0: It's it's really not, and it's and, and that's why I even have my concerns over when they do this. Um, I guess it's the like PCR or something type of test where they rebuild. The DNA, like they have a fraction of it. Oh, okay, right. So they, yeah. So they can guess what it would be, and I'm like, well, if you're, it's still guessing, just because a computer is doing it,
1: right? And it's
0: figuring out the rest of the sequence,
1: and it works until it doesn't, right? Yeah. When they generally seem to arrive at true conclusions,
0: like poly something or other, they
1: won't, right? Yeah. And that'll be. That'll be a big moment when somebody seems to be identified that way mm-hmm. and ends up in court or having terrible circumstances or on death row or something like that and it turns out not to be the case yeah um, i do
0: I do hope that Michael Connolly comes out he said he was going to do another show after his first series um, after he well he's you know there was the Bosch TV show, yeah, sure. mm-hmm. but he had a podcast of one of his cases that he covered. Um, as a beat reporter, and it was it was an interesting case, um, and it got you know I, it was one of those things where it got popular enough that he he was going to do a second part. So I, I'm not sure if it was called it's called Murder Book. Mm. So I I uh, hope they do continue that because. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I a guy like them. him, he has like all the connections. His interviews, of course, are going to be, sure, right. you, you yeah, know, like, the people yeah. that not everybody has access to. Like, I couldn't mm-hmm. wander in there, as you're saying, as a crusading journalist, and say, right. and say, "Hey, I've got this little show, and I want to talk to you about this." Blah, blah, and they'll laugh me out of the building. Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. yeah, and that's a, a really good example of the things we were talking about before uh, the show about um, uh, the the people I know, the writers I know, crime writers some great crime writers who come from investigative, or come from journalism, yeah. and so they're very used to talking to people and asking yes. questions, and, it, I, and I think your whole sort of presentation and, um, you know, uh, way of, uh, of being, um, you're just more comfortable asking people you don't know questions about things. You know, I was talk to my friends, they're like, talk to cops, man, they just love to talk about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves to talk about themselves. You ask people about their jobs, and they yes. love it. But if you're a very shy person, it's, you know, it can be really daunting. Okay. But you know, that's, I think that clearly journalism teaches people some great work habits and, and mental habits. Um, and I think it's a coincidence that some of the best, most successful crime writers are People who started out in journalism, started out covering crimes, or, right? You know, or at least um, doing that sort of daily work of newspapers.
0: And the, it's uh, interesting to to get onto that train of thought because I just finished Tank Philippi Ryan's latest called um, "Her Perfect Life," mm-hmm. and then I went and read as she like she blogs on a couple different, mm-hmm. I think places but it was one of those like blog tour situations Mm -hmm. and her entry about her perfect life she got that idea the spark of that idea because somebody really was like stalking her Oh because she's here she is this tv personality for Mm -hmm. um an nbc affiliate i guess and um And she just, you know, has to be impeccable looking. She can't even, like, you know, she can't just walk out the door and go and buy toothpaste without, you know. Like, she has to be done and ready and, you know, because that's how it is. And um, so when she built this character and, and... And just the fear of somebody, like, somebody sends her flowers. Who could be sending her flowers? And who, you know, how did they figure out her child's school schedule? Wow. I mean, all this terrifying stuff. And it's, you know, and it's like, well, that's people, you know, who want to know you and think that they really know you. Right, right. Um, You know, they just sit and they watch and they... Learn every single thing like that one. Yeah, you really like a possession and and fake friends, if you will. Like they have this whole imaginary situation in their heads. Um, Like there was, I don't, I I don't remember if this was a real thing or a fake thing, but I just remember like a man driving and he had. I think it was. Oh, I think it was a BTK. He had a notebook binder, and I think he, like. Stalk several people at once,
1: Oh, right.
0: and you would have you know details and like know who is he following today, yeah, sure. and who you know yeah.
1: crazy shit. Uh, yeah, that that uh, something <laughs> yeah. I I always remember specifically about ETK, um, but then also people like Israel Keys, so other serial killers, is they're not just people who kill anymore; they're people who are. Almost sort of professionally serial killers. Like they, I remember when BTK had to argue for his conviction. He did some kind of deal with prosecutors, so he had to, to give the details of his crimes. And he started sort of lecturing the judge about how serial killers operate. You know how they do that hunting and stuff, and giving him sort of terms from some
0: that's crazy.
1: You know criminal literature, and these people aren't just serial killers. They're serial killer junkies. You know they, you know, they're just. Um, well, and if you believe
0: but, uh, criminal minds, they all talk to each other on the web, on the dark web.
1: <laughs> they
0: all have their own message
1: board. Oh, oh, God. It's probably still in BBS. Right, you know? right. <laughs> yeah, God. I, you know, and, 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 yeah, that's just yeah. a terrifying and fascinating the, you know kind of thing to be yes. self aware in that way you're not just, I love um, criminal <laughs> lights <You know>?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so over the top And right, the yeah. fact that there are no no warrants ever for their computer <laughs> their computer hacker right, yeah. it's like well yes of course they can get you that information Penelope Garcia is the most wonderful I love
1: it uh, oh yeah those are wonderful and you know we took a DNA this sample this morning to get the results this afternoon. Yes. No, it doesn't go into this nine-year backlog of DNA results from other work labs and, you know, yes. some other part of the state. Yeah.
0: yeah. I love it. Um, and then you can also get your supernatural element in with, like, Lucifer. <laughs> I haven't and, seen
1: Lucifer. Um, I know that it exists. Yeah. And
0: uh, you can, yeah, or iZombie, which started out right. as, a, as, like, a crime show and then totally turned into a zombie show right. but um and there's a comic well i zombie's based on a comic lucifer's based on a comic but right. there's also a comic called chu c-h-u where the guy solves crimes by eating like no. pieces <laughs> and he gets you know a sense of their whole life and we gotta kill them that's, and, great. And, oh, that's and, great yeah
1: i uh, yeah it's funny, i was um, uh, a kid uh, rob um, yeah. um oh my god i'm gonna butcher he was on iZombie in the early days good looking young kid Um, and uh, at one point he had gotten the rights to one of my books and so we spent the day together which was just such a fascinating, like it's not bad enough to be normally invisible, to be standing next to somebody that every 14-year-old girl in Manhattan recognized (laughs) in one of the pictures that was especially a reminder from the universe of your insignificance. Oh boy. Yeah, but he was just a super, super nice guy. Just a really good, really good kid, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, all all that stuff is fascinating. Of course, the other thing is the concept, of course, when you're a crime writer and you're trying to think of that premise that's interesting and new and different and uh, something that organically seems to make sense, but it has this mm-hmm. other thing going on that makes it um, something new or different. It's it can be tough, and that's why they're chewing on evidence now because it's not enough to
0: it's yeah it's you not you know enough. to hear
1: colors or you know have a, a perfect memory or you know anything. It's got to be some. Thing that separates your characters and story from everything else
0: and that's just you know eyewitness testimony can be so profound and, and compelling and, and uh, I mean I'm somebody who would probably be the worst eyewitness like <laughs> you know if you ask me how many people were in oh, this room while, while we've been talking no. I don't know
1: no, no, it's a... Uh,
0: there were two ladies over there when we started, and that's all I know for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that's it, absolutely true. It, even looking to try to remember, yeah. you know, to teach yourself. There have been some fascinating experiments, what they call flashbulb memories. Um, I just remember the one about uh, the Challenger, where a professor at a college recognized that moment yeah. as something that he could use as a sort of test case. So he had his...
0: Was this the gorillas? I'm sorry? Was this a gorilla? The gorilla in the room.
1: Uh, no, no, it was like that kind of thing. Now, um, in, certainly in that area of like memory, um, where when the Challenger explosion occurred, he had his uh, students all write down where they were and what they were doing and when they heard. And then a year later, he asked them, and their stories were largely wrong. They had huh. filled in all of these details um, that didn't exist, couldn't exist. Right. You know, I was in my dorm room. with my my. You know became, I was watching TV and I saw the whole thing. Well, of course they had seen the footage a million times and it sort of morphed in their memory to a firsthand experience. Uh, I I think a lot of us have that experience of um, uh, September 11th. Right, exactly. Because it was so overwhelming and so repeated, such a big thing that at the time was more about confusion and sort of shock than it was about real information gathering. Yeah, and that was just
0: it. It's like there it, it was just this 24 hours a day of the same thing because right. there was no information right. exactly. it was it, it it was as you said for that particular kind of disaster it was there there was a who did it right path to follow but there's also a who's in that rubble? Right. Can we uncover oh these people? What's the yeah, rescue there, effort? Yeah, there was, you know, estimates then, that it was
1: 15,000 people because I think that's that probably who's in the building when you know in right. a normal no. working. Yeah, no, no, it was, it was incredible. I mean, certainly I remember, I know that I was out driving and in sales and was remotely driving out near Harrisburg when it began to happen and then I went home. Now, I think I have a memory of watching the towers come down, I could not have been live. I was too far away. You know, it would have been like it, most people probably experienced it well after the fact, mm-hmm. you know, an hour later or hours right. later. Um, but you know, that first instance well. of watching it happen becomes the primary, you know, sort of memory.
0: Um, yeah, exactly.
1: And and that stuff that's huge, right? Never mind. There was a murder small, around the corner, and the things. guy was in here. Yeah. What did you see? Like, I don't know. I didn't see anything. Exactly. <laughs>
0: it's like, can you imagine right now, like, oh, was, you know, a fire, uh, you know, three right. blocks away. You did think? you see anybody running from the scene? <laughs> and you're like, no, yeah. we've watched 200 cars go by maybe. Right. I don't know. No,
1: there's no reason why you yeah. would remember any of that. Yeah. 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 It is fascinating. And, um, uh, and the kind of thing that makes, especially, I think, true crime narratives really... Yeah rich and interesting, one of the, one of the things is that, that idea that everything you're getting, I'm listening to one now about uh, disappearances in um, uh, uh, Chiricahua State, uh, State Park in Arizona and um, all unsolved, right? So once again, what detail, what narrative, what witness, what sort of confession, which of these are real, which of them are yeah. meaningful, when you haven't gotten to the end of the story, and somebody's been sort of picked, right? Uh, Some so set of circumstances have been identified. Everything seems both meaningful and meaningless. Right? Yeah.
0: yeah, and and depending on which kind of writing I'm doing, um, also determines how long I spend doing research.
1: No, <laughs> yeah, sure, um, sure.
0: So knowing everything I, I, I do, I'm doing is fiction, really. Then if it's a longer project I'll try to be more accurate for that time but when it's like the weekly cat stories, I'm like, well, I'm just gonna make this up right now. Right, First right. of all, I'm photoshopping wings onto animals and doing yeah. stuff like that. Right. Um, no, they're all real, they're <laughs> everything, I take it back. You can use them for your thesis. Um, right, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, I, th- I just think, And those science-fiction elements are great because they they can influence where we go, like as we know with Star Trek, (laughs) you know, it it really can influence.
1: And it's still building a world of detail, whether or not it's recollected detail or researched detail or invented detail, it's still still a a world of details to get right that make everything um, richer and seem truer and invite people along. as opposed to being something that pops people out of the narrative because it doesn't seem in place, it doesn't seem even in super fantastical writing that has you know very little basis in recognizable reality. It's still, I, I think, an accretion of, of you know of, of details that build that world or whatever it is.
0: That's why it's so funny when people argue so vehemently uh, about things like in Star Wars.
1: <laughs> sure. Absolutely. And it's like you realize none of this is yeah like no your, and you know, this is yeah. because we're it's real to them exactly <laughs> I think mean, we all do it I mean every everything you see anything historical I think of but also obviously anything in science fiction you want it all to have a dimension that you can't see behind the camera that's off screen that mm-hmm. it is real that is sort of ongoing uh, like I said it's the stuff that. You you want to do I think when you're when you're reading stuff maybe especially stuff you know, um, it is largely invented detail or mm-hmm. largely unknowable historical yes. stuff. You
0: know? So I love Dr. Lyle. He is not only an actual forensic doctor, um, but he's a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, so his blog and consequently he's put out books of like printed versions of his blog essentially. Sure of the questions that he would get like what would you do if in uh, 1985 and you had a gunshot wound with a 22 like you you know if as specific as possible with your question and he can really answer um, you know oh well you know could you tie a tourniquet around this or you know how far are you from the hospital like could you you could maybe walk a mile before you fall over, that right. sort of thing. Right, right. Um,
1: yeah. You know, yeah.
0: really interesting little nuggets of scientific information. And yep. I'll read through his book. Um, it's like m- more forensics and, and fic- crime fiction or something sure. like that. And And I'll just like leaf through it and just randomly pick things to read. As I look for something to get the next story going right. in my head, right? You know, yeah.
1: uh, that's a that's a fascinating sort of little, uh, business that people have now, like, um, uh, mm-hmm. details for crime writers of uh, forensic investigation or uh, just criminal, you know, police procedure and stuff like that. For sort of academies. Academies, the yeah. crime yeah. academy, yeah. and yeah, uh, where you know and. It, it is always fascinating because yeah. even in situations like that, there's still, um, you know, a cop in Omaha might mm-hmm. not handle things exactly the way, exactly. you know what I mean, uh, a, a, a cop in Long Beach would handle something. You know, it's, it's, yes. it's, it's still... It's,
0: uh, I'm always so interested, probably since the days of Jaws, because it's like the best, um, when the TV shows and movies always have something about a sheriff. Oh, Murder, She Wrote, my favorite right. show of all time. It's always the sheriff. And I'm like, the sheriff around here does, like, virtually nothing. you right, exactly. I Transports mean. They're of prisoners, mostly. They, they, yeah, they're yeah. in charge of in the. In urban the,
1: centers around here, that's what they do. But in, yeah. the, in the county, I don't know what the, that, even that office uh, yeah, even Yeah, no,
0: they're, enough. like, at the courthouse. The right. Their officers are at the courthouse. That's and that's really it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
0: you know, and yet the, the sheriff is an elected position here. yeah. Um, so i don 't know about any of these other places, but I just find it so funny when it would be like, "Sure, Amos Tucker is gonna you know solve this case with Jessica. yep, yep. um
1: yep, and it
0: 's usually somebody who 's like a bumbling idiot, but um...
1: right. yeah. <laughs>
0: so what time period is your story that you 're working on taking place
1: like I think most people it 's a about a year before the pandemic, okay, but, yeah, know, just just um, because I, so I right. haven't wanted to deal with that, with you that. know, and it'll be interesting to get feedback from people on that point. Would it make it more interesting, richer? I mean, because yeah. obviously that has this whole set of complications. Yeah, no,
0: the two things I'm working on are I'm totally skipping.
1: Yeah, Maybe the main character works at a diner and has been in prison, and those yeah. things are. Uh, and not the same, you know, right. even as they were in 2018, 2019. Yeah. So, you know, it, like I said, it's really just—I feel like I've got enough to struggle in terms of getting the details of a lot of stuff right, um, okay. you know—to—to uh, to put that in there. But
0: at least, just so it's still modern era, though. You're yeah, not yeah, You're so not, not like historical. looking back I, at like the 70s. I've got a story I've
1: been working with for a while that I don't know if I'll ever finish. Like many of the little projects that are tucked away in fragments on a hard drive. Um, uh, that takes place in the 40s after the war in uh, in California. And um, it's just so much fun to research that stuff. Um, the, the, my my absolute most horrible addiction is to newspapers.com. Where you get <laughs> access to historical newspapers and, uh, from all over the world, really going back to the 1700s. So anything, you know, just I was you know, basically sort of reading... The Los Angeles Times, page by page by page, day after day after day, looking at stuff um, because it is just endlessly fascinating. And that's a snapshot, not of recollection, but of this is what happened that day as understood by the people who got the news that day. You know, um, so the way people talk and the things they're interested in, and the stuff they're concerned by, um, is it's really there. There, there, t- there was one of the things that just fascinating about the story was. Um, and he's, you know, one of the many elements I'm still screwing around with, is there were um, a couple of guys who were um, ex-cons who had written um, for the movies while they were in prison. Wow. Yeah, they wrote while they were in prison, and then when they got out, and one of them, this guy, Ernest Booth, he was a, a screenwriter in prison, got out, did some more screenwriting. He was really a work of Thief. He was probably a drug addict, and uh, so every day he stalled. And, um, you know, for the time, and you're reading stuff that's written in the 20s and 30s mostly, um, so it's a little dated, you know, it can be tough for people like me who can only absorb new information. Um, you know, the, 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 it obviously it was good enough to get a number of movie deals, you know, and they kept producing his work on all through the 30s. And um, the whole time he was actually. <laughs> Sticking up banks and uh, <laughs> and you know stealing jewelry and anything getting his hands on it because he was like, like the evidence is he was a, like I said he had a habit so he had to yeah, steal so he was because even thinking, yeah. you know you can imagine anybody who knows any, anything about the writing world oh, you know the checks don't come fast yeah. even if they're huge they don't come fast and I don't know many people who are getting big checks um, so you know you can imagine the sort of you know, piecemeal amounts of money in writing in those days even writing for for Hollywood, um, yeah. he was, you know, yeah. for most people, I'm sure, not stellar. Um, so the whole time he's, he's sticking up bowling alleys in Glendale and, uh, <laughs> you know, and robbing pharmacies and uh, may have been involved in a couple of murders. And, you know, it's just kind of fascinating to the idea of like a, a, you know, walking around LA with this guy who knows the movies yeah. but is on his way, you know, to burgle a pharmacy, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I love research. I'd just research if I could. The writing part is just hard.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because there was a, a webinar this week for Sisters in Crime. Um, with, it, it was a big workshop over the weekend, um, so they had multiple authors coming in and out. And so we were talking about research, and one of the things that came up was that it's in a way it's easier to to pull research on something older, mm-hmm. because right now, if you're researching more modern stuff, there's just a glut of information that you can't sift through it, and right. you can't...
1: Identify the important you,
0: Yeah, you can't yeah. get to the what you need. Mm. So I'm like, oh yeah, so that's, I didn't even know that there was a website that had all right. of those papers, I just like, Type into the search engine
1: and, and, and see what comes up. Right? See, yeah, no, it's it, I swear to God, it's like an addiction, to really, because it's just endlessly fascinating. There's yeah. so many rabbit holes, and uh, especially when now there's a sort of industry of finding obscure crimes from mm-hmm. that were once a really big deal, right? Like somebody stole a national right? and you know, finding their stories and telling them now, you know, yeah. um, for whatever associations they have for people, you know, living now. But, um, uh, yeah, I I, I just, I, I love it. And I'm, it's, <laughs> I guess it becomes a distraction at some point. I was, gonna, I was going to ask, point, do, you, yeah, do you then get lost and yeah. not get your word count? Yeah, exactly, and you never feel like you know enough, yeah. you know, to actually represent something.
0: It, it pains me. Like, it's an actual physical pain when I'll spend maybe days on a piece of research and I might get a paragraph out of it, and then that paragraph's probably getting cut anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I think, you know, what I try to be reading for is like that one detail that kind of makes it seem real. Yes. Like Like this person had this experience, this is standing next to this thing that's going on, whatever it is. Yeah.
0: Just,
1: you know what I mean, I'm I'm you know, I'm trying not to um, get involved in things that are so complex mm. in terms of the, the actual historical presentation, you know, it's more that this is something from that time period that somebody would say or think. Mm-hmm. In the context of all human beings are, you know, still motivated by the same things and, you know, and uh,
0: yeah, I happen. mean, to, to a certain degree, like, does it matter if the prison cells were painted gray or <laughs> or puke green, you know, right. PC green, some, like, yeah. you know, do, maybe something that's more important is, did they get an hour a day outside? Right, uh, right, you
1: exactly. Know? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's very true, and, and unfortunately, it's the kind of thing that... Draws my mind is exactly what color of the wall, what color of the uniforms. I mean, you know, different institutions have different, different colors. colors, right? You don't yeah. want to say people are wearing orange, if they're not that's wearing orange. And because uh, just that idea that somebody you knew would read it and say, Oh, this, is, this guy do not know what he's talking about exactly that's the that's the uh, yeah. yeah, the thought that keeps you up at night,
0: yeah. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for this. Oh, sure, it was conversation. a lot of fun. A lot
1: of fun, and uh, happy to do it anytime.
0: All right. So, well, um, where can people find you and and I don't know, keep up with whatever you're working on. Wait, <laughs> wait for that big announcement.
1: Yeah, So, um, yeah, uh, I, I'm. I'm gonna. I think I will have a story coming out. Um, over the winter um i just got sort of a conditional acceptance from a magazine so i'll throw that out on um twitter and instagram i guess um and uh and let folks know when that appears and then if i get the green light on the novel what i'm working on now hopefully cool that'll be done in a nine months or 12 months or <laughs> whenever it long long. that takes yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, cool. So um, just look up Dennis Defoya. He's he's smart and uses just his name. <laughs> so um, <laughs> um, so cool. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And you can get more of my information at amberunmasked.com. And, of course, go to patreon.com slash amberunmasked if you'd like to contribute to subscribe to the show on the website. Thank you.